Hi, and welcome to Sister Strong, a podcast and video series all about possible. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. This podcast and video series is our attempt to share ideas, insights, and experiences to help you on your journey. We want to stand sister strong for health and happiness and give you some ideas for your toolkit. Today, sharing her amazing knowledge is someone I met in a green room, but I don't think it was green. Laura Thomas was one of the speakers at TEDx Cherry Creek last fall in 2019. She was one of the uh, brave souls that took the stage with me, and I was so blessed to get to know her. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. Well, I'm so glad to reconnect with you because you had so many great things in your TEDx talk, which we'll give everyone the links in the end because and we want to really show that wonderful um, presentation that you did. But I want people to tell you, tell you, I want you to tell people, they can't really tell us right now, but they can post later. But I want you to tell people a little bit about your journey and the great work you do in the world. Yeah. So I spend most of my days as a writer and a speaker, and I feel like I kind of um, found my way to creative outlets because I needed them. I went through a uh, really significant event my senior year in college, and I lost my brother to suicide. And that, for me, really put everything on pause and flipped my whole life on its head. And I started asking some deeper questions about myself around that time. How was I living? Was I being the person I wanted to be? Was I treating my life as this precious experience or, or was I taking um, this life for granted? Was I being a good steward of my life? And that sent me down an incredible path, a challenging one also, of mindfulness and meditation and yoga and creativity. And that's where I kind of find myself now is trying to synthesize my internal experience of being a human and put it into creative expressions that hopefully make people feel less alone, more connected, and perhaps give them tools and tactics to find a way through so that we can all be a little more gentle with ourselves, a little more forgiving, and possibly live with a bit more ease and grace. Well, I'm so sorry about your brother. God bless him. And God bless you for taking a tragedy and turning it into a passion to help others. Mm -hmm. And you got to just stop for a minute and show us your fingernails because I saw <laughs> them go by and they're so fun with all those bright colors. I just must say, you know, I had to point <laughs> that out because this is a girl show. You know, I've got the blue that matches the glasses, but I got to say that your brightly colored nails made my day when I was watching the talk. So, okay, now that I got the girl stuff aside, uh, let's go back to this. So you're inspired in honor of the things you learned around the, the incredible loss of your brother. So um, everything you said is what we all need right now. We need to feel more connected. We need to know that our life is on purpose. We need to uh, look inside and, and use that meditation and mindfulness. So let's go through some, some actual tips you would tell people about, you know, how to do some of this stuff. One of the, I think, most meaningful things that I learned was how to change my relationship to my thoughts. Before I started meditating and exploring this internal journey, I felt like I wasn't really paying much attention to my life. And things felt like they were happening to me rather than for me. And it was a, a moment when somebody first told me that I didn't have to believe my thoughts that I felt my entire perspective on my internal life shift. 
because up until that point, I'd had a pretty negative relationship with myself. I was steeped in shame. I was steeped in um, self-hatred sometimes. And a lot of these habits I had picked up from the various sources that we all collect our thoughts, the people around us, the influences, the media that we consume, the, the insidious stories that just start to bloom in our minds and our hearts. And without the proper tools, I found that those weeds continued to grow in my mind and flourished. And I didn't know that I had the power to cultivate a garden internally. So I feel like the work that I've done with, with my thoughts is so basic, it's so fundamental. Sometimes it's not super sexy to sit and, and figure out your relationship with your thoughts, but it has been one of the most fundamentally um, empowering transformations that I personally have experienced. And the first was just realizing that my thoughts are a collection of all sorts of debris that I experience in my life. And they're not a representation of me. Just because I think something doesn't make it true. Just because I think something doesn't mean that that's even what I believe or that that's who I am. And starting this process of being aware of my thoughts and then also depersonalizing from them and realizing that I can have a mental track playing in my head but it doesn't necessarily have to represent anything about me. And that's where I feel like meditation and mindfulness has made a huge difference in my life to be, to learn to sit quietly with myself and the extreme discomfort that sometimes comes up with being quiet and alone and confronted with the mayhem that sometimes feels like my mind. And then to gently start building a more nourishing relationship with myself to see my thoughts as their own entity. It's kind of like a, a lot of meditation teachers talk about the monkey mind. It's sort of the nature of the mind is this frenetic, active, wildly rambunctious and curious troop of monkeys who are just swinging all over the place and wearing grass skirts and doing whatever monkeys do in either the jungle book or in real life. And to see that those thoughts, that, that process of activity is, um, sometimes humorous, sometimes completely ridiculous and silly, and finding ways to kind of diffuse that intense feeling that I get when I start believing negative thoughts and instead recognizing that, oh, there's another thought that's arising. There's another monkey that's swinging and, and knowing that I can honor that and that that is a part of who I am, but I don't have to continue to feed that monkey or believe in that monkey. And it's this level kind of minute level of, of really working with myself that I felt like has been the foundation of building self love for me. Well, goodness. Everyone's like, wow, that is <laughs> so much big work in like a big phrase. So I want to unpack it a little bit. So so I really liked your analogy about weeds growing in the garden because I'm a person with fairly low body shape self-esteem, although, you know, no one would get that by knowing me. They'd all be, oh, Betsy. But, you know, underneath all that is that chubby kid thing that's now 59. You know, she's not so young anymore. And I totally get that, that once you start on growing that dandelion and then you look for other things that make you right about whatever that wrong thought is. So if you were going to unpack a tactic for people, maybe go start with, if I don't meditate, um, how do I even start a small practice that I could actually do? So could you start with just like a little 101 about how to meditate? Absolutely. And I do find that, that sometimes something like meditation has been so 
inflated in our minds as this big thing that it really does help to walk it back into super achievable, manageable steps. So you can use an app like Headspace or Calm for meditating, but if you would just like to try to be with yourself for a little bit, which I think is a really valuable practice, I would recommend finding a seat in a chair on the floor, anything that feels really comfortable where there are a few distractions, there's nothing pressing on your time at the moment, and even just taking 30 seconds to five, you know, between 30 seconds and five minutes, wherever you feel comfortable to just breathe. It's amazing how often um, we keep ourselves busy. We live in a, a really busy society, really busy lives. And I find that just those small moments to pause and breathe and ask the simple question of myself, what's coming up right now? Because I find that once something comes up, if I don't take that small moment or engage in that small practice to pause and observe it, it starts spinning off like a top and I'm flying with it. And the practice of meditation is really just taking a moment to pause and observing what we're feeling in this moment. And here's the big part, without judgment. Suspending for just a moment, all judgment, all criticism, all shame, and instead ask what's coming up right now and finding a small way for 30 seconds, one minute, just to be with that experience without judgment. It's a really radical, challenging, yet seemingly simple thing to do. Well, and someone um, taught me about, a, you know, there's so many breathing methods and so many yoga breathing methods. So disclaimer, this is not an official training on breathing, but one that I have been able to remember to do is four in, hold four, mm. and four out only because maybe my simple mind, who's not a big meditator can get that. But I notice if I just concentrate on a way to breathe, that I'm noticing I'm actually taking an inhale because I do believe there could be days I do not take an inhale. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be good to breathe now. Yeah. <laughs> breathe. All right, so, so, so the thing I love that you're saying is we have permission to have a thought that isn't who we are, it isn't what we believe, it's just a thought, a random weed that blew in on a seed from something in our life, it got some nutrients next to all the good seeds and the good flowers and the blooming garden, and it reared its little weed head up and reminded us of some belief that is maybe untrue or does not serve us. So that through being quiet and still, we can first see what's coming up, and then not have judgment on what's coming up, just to give ourselves permission that those thoughts are just thoughts and we don't have to make them who we are. Is that a translation? Yes. Absolutely. I love how you took that analogy and expanded upon it. Um, there's another practice too that I find, especially for my, my kind of type A brain that has a hard time stepping into just quietude and being with myself. There's another practice that helps for me really address that weed if it feels really big and it's gone all jack and the beanstalk on me and it's enormous and help shrink its size down and maybe if I can pluck it also. And this is a practice by Byron Katie who does some phenomenal work. And funny enough, she calls her work the work. And there are three questions that she, she asks to challenge, especially negative thoughts or deeply held beliefs that I find really powerful. The first question that we can ask ourselves or even ask this thought is, is that true? 
and we take a moment and listen. And often because we're so familiar with that thought, we think, yes, of course that's true. I haven't accomplished anything meaningful with my life and I'm, I'm worthless or, or whatever the thought might be. So the second question is, can I absolutely know that that is true? And I find that that one makes me pause because I don't know if I can ever absolutely know that something is true. And then the third question really flips the whole scenario on its head and it, it says, who would I be without that thought? Ooh. If I didn't think I was worthless, who would I be? If I wasn't so hard on myself, who would I be? And I feel like it just opens up the door of a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of maneuverability for us to challenge these thoughts and, and begin to see some of their cracks and realize maybe this is a habit that I have developed and fed as you said, over my life as opposed to something that is an absolute truth. And maybe there's room for curiosity, imagination, and creativity to work with this thought a little bit differently. I love that. Mm. I love the double take. Is it true? Yeah, yeah. Is it absolutely true? Yeah. And yeah. it might be without this weed I don't need. Um, so I always ask everybody, if you could pick one thing, right? So um, you're an author, you're a speaker, we're going to go there next. But if you could pick one thing from your journey that you would tell people to do? Because many of us, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's another should. Someone's shooting on me and we never should on you. We don't believe in that, but we love inspiration and ideas and connections. So if you could pick one thing to tell people from your journey, um, what would be the one thing? The one thing hopefully doesn't feel like anything really big. Um, and it's just to be gentle. I continue to learn for myself. And, and that was the biggest tool for me as I was and still am healing through the significant loss of my brother and this transformational journey that I've been on. I make mistakes all the time. I forget these lessons all the time. I wrote a book about these things and I find myself forgetting it all the time. The thing is that we are humans. We have a great capacity to be distracted, to forget, to make mistakes, to accidentally harm ourselves and, and others through our words or our actions. And I think that we need to have a big dose of forgiveness and gentleness on this path as we try to be the people who we want to be, because we'll be on it, I think, for the rest of our lives. And so hopefully we can just be a little more tender, a little more gentle to ourselves. Oh, I love that. And, and maybe that gentleness then goes to our families, our near field, into the world with all of us taking a big, deep breath. And that one was for me. Um, we, please tell everyone how they find you, how they find your books and your classes and anything else you're doing in the world. Yeah, I am on Instagram almost every day at Laura Thomas Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And that is the same uh, URL for my website, laurathomaswrites.com. And on that website, you can find my book, which I published recently, which is called The Magic of Wellbeing, A Modern Guide to Lasting Happiness. My TED Talk is also linked there about navigating the world of grief and my journey through my brother's loss and how I've worked to have a different relationship with grief. Um, yeah, and the website's also where I post various articles throughout the interwebs. So those are the main places to find me. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time. I'm glad I picked you up in a green room that wasn't really green. I'm glad we <laughs> shared that journey together of being TEDx speakers and taking our work to the world. And thank you for everyone who's listening to Sister Strong, a podcast and video series about 
possible. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, which are women on purpose for good. We believe in education, inspiration, and connections for your journey for a happy and healthy life. Please share this information with anyone you know that's interested in our uplifting energy and our fun ideas and ways to make you thrive. I'm your host, Betsy Weersma.